1: Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron
0: Mike Spears. I am right now hating life because sun comes down here in the foothills at like five o'clock, and I wonder why anyone lives much further north than you do, AB. It's... Season, it's real seasonal effective or hours this week, I feel like.
1: Yeah, feeling some real seasonal depression today. It's excellent. I'm very irritable, so that's good. That's what happens uh, when I get depressed, so I'm excited. I'm sure this is gonna be fun. We are also joined by Nate, AKA Epidesis. What's up, Nate?
2: Hey, fellas. Uh, yeah, no, it gets dark at like 4 p.m. here pretty much. Like by the time I leave the office, it's like basically pitch black out, and usually snowy or rainy. So um, I don't want to hear any complaints from you guys in your more tropical climbs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm doing uh, doing pretty well. Um, friend of the show, uh, Ariana Grande endorsed Bernie, so that was good. She's on board. Um, ACH is free, so that's great. Best wrestler 2018, uh, and I won an Xbox today. That's a nice little uh, treat for your for your Thursday morning.
0: You lived moss, so I'm proud of you.
2: I lived moss hard, hard on moss.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. It's Just when people say live moss, it makes me think of uh, Dave Grohl on Eat Master.
2: Navarro. Dave Navarro. Dave, fuck, Dave Navarro. Dave Grohl, you know, before, he he doesn't have to do uh, do bits about living moss because he really does live moss. That's true. He
1: hangs out with John Kerry on this uh, tour bus, so very cool.
2: I don't think I don't think now.
1: <laughs> no. Well, no, but he did that one time.
2: all right that's really is that the first thing you think of when you think of dave Grohl? not like oh he was he was in nirvana
1: no so i had this like i hated the foo fighters for probably a decade or more you would you would i i had this thought of like so my real connection to dave Grohl was like seeing him on visually was like seeing him on nirvana unplugged you know and he's got like the big turtleneck and the uh the ponytail and then foo fighters came out and you see like learn to fly video. And I'm like, okay, this is not the same dude. Like this guy sucks. He sold out to do like pop music to, uh, to make a bunch of money and
2: And dude, he's goofing around with his friends, Jack Black and Kyle gas.
1: Yeah. So I hated that for a long time. And then, uh, at some point I got into Foo Fighters. I was like, Oh yeah, these songs are good. So, uh, and then you, like,
2: you learn that he was kind of always goofy. He was just trying to uh, fit in, I think with, with Kurt. Your new, uh, your new visual touchstone. I'll send you the video. It's his Fresh Pots video, where just he's in the studio freaking out about Fresh Pots of coffee. I have one of my best friends from high school. Like had a eerie resemblance to Dave Grohl, and then he grew his hair out long and he got the big gauged ears and everything. And he just like really leaned into looking exactly like Dave Grohl. So he's like a, a big meme in our group of high school friends.
1: Love it. Uh, but yeah. Now, when I think about Dave Grohl, it's basically him claiming that the uh, In Your Honor album was about John
2: Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. that. Uh, yeah, I think I missed that entirely. I mean, In Your Honor was like pretty much where I got out on, mm-hmm. it was, like nothing yeah. past that point. Yeah.
1: He said like, oh, there was a big like Rolling Stone interview or whatever. And he's like, yeah, John Kerry was on tour with us. And we I just started writing these songs. And, you know, he's a hero and all this stuff.
2: It was a different time. Uh, dur- during the John Kerry campaign, I went to see... John Mellencamp, Indiana boy, live on the Vote for Change tour. It was John Mellencamp and Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, right? (laughs) And they were literally literally pro Bush protesters outside the concert venue with like signs like, duh, you're going to see a concert about John Kerry. Like, imagine taking time out of your day to protest a concert in favor of the sitting US president.
1: Yeah, brutal. It's amazing. Uh yeah, I was a very like uh just embarrassing person when John Kerry was running for president. So
2: <laughs> let's move on uh, from we, that. We we were considerably younger and it was, you know, a different environment. I think it's okay.
1: Yeah, we yeah. all made really bad
0: political decisions in our youth. So. Like
2: voting for John Kerry. That was one of them. Uh I mean, you know yeah um, again we were like we kind of get a pass we were like barely a voting age i don't know if it's more embarrassing that i was
1: like very into john Kerry once he was the nominee or <laughs> that i supported john edwards in the uh <laughs> i guess oh. that was in 08 i was a howard dean guy in know like all of us i think well and, i mean how could not you be right and then i was a big john edwards guy in 08
0: yeah uh in 04, I was this is before my political development, you know, like my political consciousness. So, be good. oh, yeah, I voted libertarian in 04. <laughs> I lived in Texas. My vote literally could not matter less unless I lived in California or New York. And at that time, this was also the same time period where disgraced Congressman uh, Joe Barton called me an anarchist from my whole entire high school. So,
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we straight are- up. We have to get to that story sometime. <laughs> Great, Mike Spears lore.
0: Oh, I, I dropped these like one or two lines there. But yeah, no. So yeah, 04 was, <laughs> was really early my political development. But yeah, John Edwards in 08 or like 08 before, like all the crazy stuff. And then Obama like this. Like we, we all had really like dumb political developments. You know? I
1: drove like two hours once to see John Edwards speak after the shit came out about him cheating on his wife <laughs> who had cancer.
2: <laughs> Brutal. Wow. I mean, you are—you've you, got a penchant for driving long distances for yeah. whatever. Real yeah, making yeah.
1: towns guy.
2: Oh, I love to right. make towns. <laughs> making towns for J E
1: <laughs> J R E. That's right. I was thinking we should do a uh, a Patreon bonus show where we review the Making Towns Classic. What do you guys think?
2: Could do that. Although uh, the you know that's sort of a hot topic politically again because of the winner of the Making Towns Classic. Oh, that's right. Oh, so it, it actually really fits. Miss making pounds.
1: It fits for. Oh, our that show could be. That point.
2: could be. Well, that could be a a failed episode of this is. This was. This was Kylie Ray. <laughs> so good.
1: All right. Whew. If you want to hear more about Mike's uh, voting in 2004 <laughs> and earlier. Uh, Actually, I don't know, Mike. You probably couldn't vote before two thousand four, right? You didn't vote in the two thousand presidential.
0: No, no, no. Yeah. I turned eighteen in two thousand
1: four. I made a. I was big into making t-shirts when I was in high school. Like, okay, this will be would good. Write on t-shirts and uh, just wear them to school. And I on the, two, the day of the two thousand election, I wrote on a t-shirt, uh, "Don't blame me. I would have voted for Ralph Nader." <laughs>
0: yeah, I was that kid too. I was that guy too.
1: Yeah, right on. Okay, so if you want more of these musings. You can follow us on Twitter, at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at that Fuji hey, yeah, That's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. Subscribe to this podcast, folks. You can find us by searching Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice or through the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. If you're listening on the podcast app, give us a five-star rating and a review. And make sure you are subscribing at Patreon.com slash Everything I'm going to talk about that in just a second. First, let me tell you what else we're going to do on this show. We're going to do Elite or Delete, as we always do. We're going to run down Dynamite, talk about the ratings. we got some business notes on full gear that we'll get into. And we will be detailing forum poster Tony Khan and uh, what he got into this week. So before we get into that, I'm not going to give you the whole spiel on our Patreon. Again, if you've been listening the last two weeks, you've heard about it. But I do want to tell you what's on there this week or what's been on there so far. We're two weeks strong this far. Uh, Last week we did, or this week, we did the errands. On Monday, Aaron Taub and I got back together to do a fun show, mostly about bullshit, uh, but we did review an Evolve match. Or no, a WWN match. So you're going to want to check that out. We talked a lot about what Aaron Taub has been up to over the past year. And, you know, we did some classic talk about uh, the labor uh, situation in pro wrestling, Mike and I have done two episodes of AEW Light, which is a little dynamite preview on Wednesday mornings. We talk about dark on that show, too. And we brought some real heat this week, to be honest, because we kind of nailed everything that happened on dynamite. I'm usually wrong about everything.
0: Hey, it's something that happens. You know, we were dead on about Adam Page being a great battle Royal wrestler. You know, like that was straight up that. Yeah, right. And then Hikaru Shida talked about post-match how this was like a rankings match and a title eliminator. So we were two for two on a AEW Lite. And for $3 a month, you can get our great previews. So check it out.
1: That's right. And uh, so far this month, we've done the two episodes of Lite. We did a full gear instant reaction. I did two hours about Cody Rhodes' career with Rich Krejci. And we did the errands, which I told you about. And Mike and I have dropped some nerdy-ass podcasts. So check those out. Uh, this coming week, Mike is going to be dropping something that I've heard a little bit of. And it is very cool. It's called Breaking Strong Hearts. It's the first episode of Breaking Strong Hearts. And it's going to be telling you about the formation of OWE. I- I'm very excited about it.
0: Yeah. it's. I've been putting this together over the last week. And it's going to be different. You know, if you're someone who's used to, like, Standard timeline shows or like historical wrestling shows. This isn't exactly that. It is something that I kind of wanted to stretch my wings a little bit, and I'm excited for folks to hear it. I'm conducting a discussion tomorrow, and then it'll be up on Monday. So, yeah, that's a great show, and I'm really stoked to be putting it together.
2: AEW roster members and staff, you can subscribe anonymously via Patreon. So, you know, don't feel nervous about us seeing on there. You know your your shoot email address. Just a little FYI. That's
1: right, and we've got a, a great response so far. I'm very excited. We've already gone past what I was hoping for in the first month, and so we just hope to keep providing excellent content and uh, get some new subscribers. So that's it for the Patreon. It's patreoncom slash elite. There are three dollar, five dollar, and eight dollar tiers. So check out, uh, see what you're interested in, and please join us. I do want to remind you that if you subscribe now, you will be charged on the day you subscribe, and then you'll be charged on the first of the month going forward. So just want that to be up front. Ratings time. Let's talk ratings. For the first time, folks, this is a sad day in the in the ratings uh, discussions. For the first time, NXT comes out on top of AEW. AEW did eight hundred and ninety-three thousand. That's down from nine hundred and fifty-seven thousand last week. Uh, they were eighth. In the demo, down from fifth, a point four three, which was exactly the same demo that they did last week. I believe Mike's looking around, so I might have fucked that up.
0: Nope. they were at point three nine last week. or point three nine this week. They were at point four three. Oh, they, they went down. Okay. yep, they so, are so, down four ten, four hundredth of a rating point.
1: See, I'm bad at reading. but point uh, three nine, so down a little bit. Uh, NXT put up nine hundred and sixteen thousand, jumped up to fourteenth in the demo. At a 0.30, which was up from a 0.25, so up a little bit for NXT and a down, well, up quite a bit for NXT, really down a little bit for AEW. Um, I, let's let's get those takes. Well, I guess let's start here. They NXT shoved a bunch of Raw people on here, so you would expect that to go up. That's not really a big deal, but are we worried that AEW is dropping again?
2: No, not really. Not really worried about, you know, they probably drove some AEW viewers over to NXT. My only take really was like, my take last week was that AEW withstood NXT's best shot when they had the original, famous, authentic, sincere fake Bullet Club invade. Uh, and it just turns out that wasn't NXT's best shot yet because they threw even more shit against the wall, had literally everybody invade the show from on SmackDown and did yet another ladder match. So they, uh, you know, I thought that was their best shot. Turns out they uh, had not yet emptied the barrel and they just dumped the whole barrel out. So, um, you know, uh, they they didn't beat him by that much (laughs) really like, you know, what I thought was interesting was that WWE was very careful not to explicitly advertise who was going to be there. They didn't go, Hey, Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins is going to be there. And I think they probably did that because they thought it was possible that they would advertise Seth Rollins and they would still lose to AEW. And that would be a black eye. So um, that's very amusing to me. That's my only take.
0: So something that needs to be said is AEW still won every single demo except for the boomers, including the only demo that matters for advertisers. And they won it by nine hundredths of a point. So they still, people saying like, oh, yeah, this happened. When you go to like ad buyers and the networks, they'll be like, okay, that's the overall figure. But then they're going to look at, okay, AEW had 0.39, 18 to 49. That's just a drop of 400th of a point. And then you take a look at the rest of their demos. Like they did a lot better with uh, with the drop with the men, 18 to 49, women, 18 to 49. There was a drop as is the 12 to 34. So I look at this and like how Nate said, like we thought they already unloaded the clip. Really. There's only four names left that actually matter in WWE that could show up in full sale, which they're staying in in 2020. Like, let's get that out there. That's a, that's something, but uh, they just have Roman Reigns, John Cena, uh, Daniel Bryan, Hulk Hogan and the rock. So five names and two of those names aren't ever going to show up at full sale. And Hogan, I don't think matters if it shows up to full sale. So this is if this is their best shot, it's their best shot. It's also their go home show. So I feel like that when you look at everything kind of taken out a whole this I feel better about this week than like that one week where that it was like the seven thousand viewer difference, to be honest. And you could say that I'm like spinning tails or I'm trying to spin this, but when you just like look at the numbers, the numbers aren't as stark as that. So that that's kind of what I take away from it.
1: Seems to me this is embarrassing for WWE generally. I mean, they have they put Seth Rollins, their, their top guy, on their show, and they they got a nice bump, but they're still barely beating AEW. So it's just sad that they keep trying to do like basically trying to hotshot this into a big number and they just really can't get there.
2: It's very amusing to me and yes. I like it a lot. Like I I have heard people be like, Oh, you know. What do you care about the ratings war? It's very silly. It makes people make uh, irrational decisions and they're going to start booking to win the week instead of booking to, you know, put on a good wrestling show or build toward the future. And again, we have not seen that with AEW. They keep doing their show. They, you know, spent significant time this week on uh, Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida who are not, you know, draws in the level of John Moxley or Kenny Omega. There was no Cody on this show. There was no Matt Jackson on this show. Like they're just doing their thing. They're building, you know, toward next week in Chicago. And NXT is the one that's hot everything and doing a ladder match every week. And that's funny to me. I enjoy it. I like seeing WWE go full. Bad part of WCW.
1: Yeah, it's very funny that, like, this is what WCW did to win the week-to-week ratings. And WWF eventually jumped on the same boat, but they weren't originally. But it's just funny that Vince learned nothing from the from the Monday Night Wars. Not that this has the same stakes, but uh, it's still very funny.
2: I mean, he might have learned something and then forgotten it because he signed Downing. That's true. That's true.
1: Interesting note from last week's Wrestling Observer. I don't think the new one is out yet. So from the most recent episode or version of uh, the Wrestling Observer newsletter, Dave basically says that what he understands from people who are studying the minute-by-minute Wednesday audiences is that basically NXT viewership goes up when AEW goes to a commercial. And when AEW ends, NXT goes up. So it looks like AEW viewers are willing to flip to NXT when there's nothing happening on AEW, but NXT viewers are not willing to watch AEW at all. So I think that's interesting. Uh, it kind of jibes with, well, I don't know, our bubble. I, I do see, I don't, I see some people jumping over uh, or watching both, but I don't see your brainworms, WWE people even giving AEW a shot.
2: Yeah, I think that supports my sort of guess at the rating. I think putting all those people on promising big angles and promising, you know, first time matchups between main roster and NXT people probably pulled AEW people over to NXT for the evening. So I don't think it's a, a sign that the sky is falling and that, you know, AEW is losing interest at this point that, you know, we're still, I think, sort of at that stable 950,000 to a million range.
0: And if there's like one or other thing kind of pigging back off of this is every week NXT has an overrun and AEW always goes off air at 10 p.m. Eastern. So they have, I'm looking at our spreadsheet right now and it's usually eight to nine minutes extra that AEW fans will have, could have massively switched over. So what happens when we get the quarterlies that are going to be in the Wrestling Observer newsletter and you take out that last quarter i mean that's probably a more realistic depiction of the show because that's they were only head to head for two hours and when you take that out there i mean that's a fifty thousand difference i mean it's not outside the realm of possibility that you had more enough people to switch over for the last nine minutes of nxt to shift that balance like i don't think i'm being ridiculous or being biased when i say that So it's interesting to see, like, as you're saying, like, it might also go with, like, the age range of the fans, that AEW fans are more willing to watch whatever in their mind is the best wrestling at the very moment. And your older NXT WWE brainworm people just want to watch WWE NXT, so they're not going to give it another shot. So I don't know. It's interesting.
2: I think boomers shouldn't, uh, their votes shouldn't count, and their television ratings shouldn't count. I think That's fair.
1: That's fair. If you want to see that spreadsheet, by the way, that has all the info and all the ratings from every week right next to each other, it's available on our Patreon, patreon.com slash everything elite for $5 subscribers. So there you go. Now it's time for the game sweeping the nation. It's elite or delete. If you are new to the show, basically we go through, we'll make one elite pick, one delete pick a piece. Basically what was our, something we really liked from the show, something we really didn't like from this week's episode of Dynamite. Nate, I'm going to come to you first. Give me your elite pick of this week.
2: All right, I'm going to keep it on the board. Stop trying to uh, outsmart or outmaneuver you guys. John Moxley versus Darby Allen, your main event. Fantastic fucking match. Just delivered in every way. They set it up with the big ring introduction from Justin Roberts at the beginning. You just see the extra effort that I absolutely love to see, and that makes... It feel like it's a special event and worth tuning in. They had a whole video package of Darby and his Mox spray painted body bag skateboarding, crowd surfing at a concert, just extremely badass. And then the match delivered big time. You got great character moments from each guy. You got you know Darby diving out of the ring with his whole fucking body into John Moxley. You got him diving at John Moxley, and John Moxley just no selling it off the crossbody and you know, using his size to his advantage and just, you know, basically crushing him in the ring, just fantastic match. You know, uh, like, like I've said a million times, Darby actually wrestles to his size. He like makes you believe, even though he's a small guy, that he's using all of his momentum and all of his fearlessness to like throw his body into the other guy and use the technical skills when appropriate or use his, uh, you know, just willingness to destroy himself when appropriate to try and get the win. And it was fucking awesome. And Darby's a huge star. And, you know, John Mox is the established star. So uh, I loved it. It
0: slapped. Like it ruled. Like the, the great thing about this promotion is they understand Darby's value and they let Darby be Darby. And having a match like this, like we saw how things were before and after the Jericho defense, right, guys? Now we see what it's going to be like with this match. And then what's going to be like afterwards, he's a made man. Like he there's people with, with the haps, the half corpse paint in the crowd. And it's just like, everyone loves Darby Allen. He's a, he's going to be a legend. So like, how can't you love a match like this? That was very simple, but well effective. And I mean, Jesus Christ, that coffin drop into the rear naked choke just ruled. And then it just was like, they understood like the right moments and, how to use Darby and how to actually make like John Moxley look like a monster. So that ruled a whole lot too. So like, it was just, it was a great match. Like if, if Nate didn't pick this, I feel like each one of us was going to probably pick this match. So I just wanted to get my two cents in on that match before we move on.
2: Yeah. yeah. Great finish and, and look tremendous. Uh, and I also just wanted to, a lot of people were like, Oh, you know, they made Darby a star in this Jericho match. Then he disappeared from TV for two weeks or three weeks. Like, oh, you know, they're totally blowing it. Like, no, we they made the crowd miss Darby and then they got up big for the next Darby appearance and he delivered again. Just like very refreshing that we don't have Darby out here cutting promos backstage, you know, against a backdrop week in and week out or coming out and wrestling, you know, nothing matches week in and week out. And instead we can like, you know, when we want to focus on him, we bring him in and put him on TV and make him a huge star. And then when it's not his time, they make the, the crowd and the viewers miss him.
1: Yeah, Darby does main events only, folks. He's not showing it's Offer up only. That's right. He was great. Dar- I mean, this is an example of a guy losing a match and coming out better than he went into it. I mean, it, it was done perfectly. Moxley was a perfect opponent for him. Moxley, I'm sure, loved getting to work with Darby because he's willing to just do anything. I mean, and... In a spot that could have really hurt Darby, where Darby f- flings himself off the top rope and Mox just completely no-sells it, it worked because Mox is, you know, a fucking crazy dude. So it's, I don't know. The whole thing was great. Darby didn't get very much offense in and still was super over. And it gives him some somewhere to progress from. So yeah, it was, everything was good about it.
2: This is like, you know, I've always said you can beat the shit out of Darby and he's going to get over it by beating the shit out of him. But I'm impressed that they've been having literally the biggest stars, you know, Cody and Moxley and Jericho be the guys beating the shit out of him. So it just works to that extra degree. You know, you know, I I mean, he took a loss to Sean Spears. That was a mistake, but he's he's losing to top stars. He's just going to get more over every week. And then at some point you pull the trigger and you have him start getting miracle wins. Then you have him start getting earned wins and then you make him the top champion of your company. All right, Mike, your pick for this week.
0: So my pick is the opener, uh, Nick Jackson versus Fenix. That match, who, I, it's been something that they've focused so much on the Lucha Brothers as an act rather than letting these two guys do their own thing. And it just was like a reminder that Fenix is one of the best 25 wrestlers in the world right now. And he just has a certain way with himself in this match. And Nick, Nick held up his end of the deal, too. And it just was a great opening sprint. You had Phoenix do probably the most devastating Senton Atomico I've ever seen in my life where he just landed flat, heavy on Nick Jackson in that role. And it just was a great, brutal style of a, high f- of a high-flying juniors match. So I thought this match was great. This is the kind of matches that I love for them to start Dynamite out with. Like it makes you think about young bucks versus private party like whenever they start a show with a match that's just hot out of the gates it always gets me amped up and i think that's something that they should really focus on doing it's like okay each week we're going to have a hot match to start we're not going to have john moxley versus michael nakazawa every week we're not going to have sammy Guevara versus hangman page i just go through my notes we're not going to we're, we are going to have a private party versus Lucha Brothers. But you basically, when you start off a crowd like this, and points to Indy, awesome crowd again. Like, they have not had a really bad crowd, I guess, really, except for Baltimore. So, this is a great match, and I think it's something that I would be super happy if we get some some separation between Penta and Phoenix going forward, just because... Imagine having Phoenix versus Chris Jericho. What kind of weird match can that be? That's something that wasn't even on my mind before last night's episode. And now I'm kind of intrigued to see what could happen here. So I love this match. And it just it's a match that gets you in a good mood to watch a night of wrestling. And I thought that they did a great job with that.
2: Yeah, badass match. Um, I really, seeing Nick Jackson in a singles role does make you appreciate how good he is more than you do otherwise. Like, you know, I've been saying for a while, oh, you know, the Young Bucks are, you know, you forget how good they are and then they just have a blowaway match. And it's like, Oh yeah, they're extremely good. Like you take for granted how good they are. So it's just nice to see that in like a fresh context. Cause then you go, Oh yeah, now I can more readily appreciate Nick's particular talent at this or this or this. Um, they did that spot at the beginning where they did the whole indie standoff, but they did all of it on the outside of the ring and on the apron and then sliding into the ring, which is just, you know, I've seen a million Phoenix matches in my life. Like AEW was like his home promotion for a period of like two years. And, you know, that's something I've never seen before. So that was badass. Um, And I think what was also really smart about that, and on your point, Mike, is they had Pentagon in in the Battle Royal on this show, but basically eliminated him immediately for the purposes of an angle. But what was smart was they still brought him back for dark and gave the fans a singles Pentagon match as well. So great to see them using both Phoenix and Pentagon in both roles because they're both like (laughs) big single stars in addition to being an awesome tag team. My elite pick: the merciful, merciful
1: end of the Britt Baker push. It's over, folks. We survived. We made it. Hikaru Shida beat Britt Baker, and Britt Baker will not be challenging for the title at least for now. And hopefully, this is a a sign that maybe they'll uh, let Britt get a little seasoning before they before they try to push her back to the top. Uh, it, It strikes me that. And this is all headcanon, but it strikes me that there was a real battle between Brandy and Kenny for who was going to be driving this division, and it's it clear that Kenny has won, and he's uh, he is making the decisions now, I think. And uh, I mean, we didn't mention it. There's a lot of
2: headcanon, I feel. <laughs> well, no, but
1: we didn't we didn't mention. It. So, well, let's go back. Brandy, I, mean, I know that's talking on road twos about how she's running this women's division. Then we have this Brandy video two weeks ago where she says. People say, I want to run the women's division. I never said that, and I never did. I mean, it's like a real weird change in between those two things. Of course, that was in character, but like a weird-ass thing to say in character.
2: Well, yeah, they've been very clumsy and fuzzy a lot of the time with, oh, yeah, Cody's booking this match on Road 2, and now he's, you know, now Kenny, another executive vice president, is saying, who's making this match in his promo? That, uh, you know, an ongoing complaint. But anyway, go on.
1: Anyway, the good thing is, Hikaru Shida should have beaten Britt. She did so. There are times, and we might—we'll talk later about the Dark Order—but there are times when you have to see something through, and you—you you have faith in a worker, and you're going to make sure that it's not going to be from lack of trying that they get over. But they seem to have understood and appreciated that Britt Baker is not ready for prime time, and they're moving on. Now maybe they'll come back to her, and and I'll be wrong. But I'm feeling good at this point. So bye bye, Britt Baker.
2: Yeah, they're definitely going to come back to her. <laughs> She's not retiring. Yeah, um, I think
1: she quit, actually.
2: Um, but yeah, you know, right right decision in this moment. I will say, um, and this is a, a, a an ongoing point, is so presumably Sheeta is now the next challenger for Riho. They did just wrestle at All Out in Chicago. So hopefully they're not putting that match on All Out just because I don't want to see all the same matches I saw last time.
1: You don't mean it All Out. You mean on Dynamite next week
2: well right but the last match was at all out i, I know. know what i said but yeah okay
1: mike any thoughts on uh, the end of on brit baker's uh early retirement and subsequent death was i reading things wrong i thought no. a really bad women's wrestler got
2: fired from a from a wrestling promotion today <laughs>
0: Uh, uh,
1: yeah. It's uh, pretty,
2: pretty, I, pretty anti, uh, work. anti-labor yeah, celebration buddy. There, Aaron.
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the sure.
2: concussed, um, you know, public right. school teacher taking right. heavy a, shots.
1: A bad right. women's wrestler who who recently got a concussion was fired. I mean, I, I just thought, I thought that was Britt. I thought she was gone. If,
2: if BJ is one of our listeners, you're going to have an angry DM in a minute. Here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and if you remember the old, uh, BJ Whitmer t-shirt, that bump's going to be for you. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh nice. I, I've been I think I've been like with the hardest person on Britt Baker throughout the show, calling her someone with the personal or in her personality and ring charisma of a plain rice cake. So I'm glad to see Hikaru Shida get this. I think that she she had a really fun match against Big Swole in Charlotte on Dark, and she's shown that she could be someone that, of a bridge between the Joshi and the Western woman, some kind of okay with that and unlike nate I, I this is a match that i think i'd really love to see and if it's gonna happen in chicago that's cool if it's happening in Champaign, that's cool too so I, i'm all right with it and i think it's just one of those things that i've been kind of battling this in my head over the last day but we're all expecting Britt baker to get better in the ring right like consensus is oh she needs ring time she needs ring time but the thing is she she's not a rookie she's someone that has been wrestling now for upwards of four years and you even if you only have so many matches you after a certain time you reinforce bad habits it happens in everything if you are someone who plays a musical instrument you have a bad habit when you start learning if you don't learn to not do that you're going to continue that bad habit i have some bad habits at work that constantly in my back of my head it's like i shouldn't do this this is not how i should edit this i should be keep a cleaner timeline doing things like that and who's to say if Britt baker is going to get any better and who's to say that there's going to be a situation where she gets the ring time people think she gets or needs to improve so like i think that what we see is what we get with her now and it's just kind of just you know grinning and bearing it i guess
2: yeah i mean i made the point that they need to figure out a way to get a lot of these you know greener talents more ring time because you know one wrestling match a week whether it be on dark or whether it be on dynamite uh is not going to be enough for like a private party to get to the level of like a young bucks um and you know the same thing applies for like a Baker. you know She's been in the business for a minute, but she's not, you know, an old wrestler or anything. So, I, you know, you can unlearn those bad habits. I'm not going to throw in the towel on her already. But, yeah, you know, they need to work it out so they can send her on stardom tours or something and, you know, just really get hard reps on in-ring stuff. And, you know, we do see that AEW wrestlers are working other indies. We, uh, You know, the upcoming House of Hardcore show has, like, Private Party on and has Orange Cassidy on it. So they seem to be, you know, doing some, uh, you know, allowing guys to work some outside dates for friendly indies. Like we, you know, we're hoping was the case and seems to be the case. Uh, the strong hearts guys are going to be on MLW. So that's great. Uh, like Luchasaurus is working local LA shows and shit. So hopefully that'll be the case. Hopefully, you know, they won't, you know, shimmer tapes for one weekend in a, a small market, you know, let Brit go and work shimmer again. That's great. Get her a couple matches. It's not going to hurt her appeal or drawing ability on television, uh, so they, you know, they have to find the the time to get all these people ring minutes, and hopefully they will.
1: Nature being pretty positive here about Britt Baker, so now I need to hear you delete something.
2: Um, my delete, I guess, is going to be, I don't know if I had. What did I? Okay. So I didn't really want to, but the the thing that dragged on this show was basically the tag match between Private Party and uh, Proud and Powerful. So I guess it would be that was the thing I dragged on this show. It didn't even lose me. Like, you know, the down point of this match was during the ad break. And then when they came back from the ad break, Isaiah Cassidy did the clap spot for the hot tag and the crowd was immediately back with it. So it just didn't quite connect. What you wanted in this match was. The crowd to get so behind private party as the baby faces in peril, you know, with proud and powerful, just beating the shit out of them. And the crowd just have such a groundswell of support for them that the crowd wants private party to win under any circumstances. So when Nick Jackson comes out and does the distraction finish, the crowd isn't like, oh, you know, that was a cheap win. The crowd's like, yes, I wanted private party to win and I didn't care how I got there. I just wanted them to overcome this. There's a tribute match to their, you know, trainer and friend from House of Glory. So great, you know, you want to see the baby faces win in that in that context. Um, and for whatever reason, the, the match just didn't get there. Again, maybe it's you know, I don't know how many matches of this length private party has worked in their career. Uh certainly they haven't worked many matches of this length uh on national television without, you know, uh longtime veterans, the young bucks on the other side of the ring. So it just didn't get to the the point that we wanted it to get to and reach that fever pitch where the crowd was desperate for the private party win. Um, but, you know, so that's my delete. Even then it was fine. It kind of came together.
0: Like it was a match that I had the same thing about them that like the uh, crowd like the crowd want that you want out of a private party. Wasn't there enough to do this kind of beat down for them to get that huge hot tag. But by the time, that they kind of got into it it turned into something nice so yeah i totally get where you are coming forth that uh my big deletion was kenny doing only like now giving motivation and doing it in a very kind of hacky way like how long have i been saying that kenny well you
2: you can't delete something that was on the show right yeah i'm deleting. you're gonna delete him, you're gonna delete him actually giving motivation i'm gonna delete
0: how he gave motivate motivation oh, okay that was
2: a, right.
0: that that was a really like Comedy promo that like yes you finally gave justification that your whole downturn started because of paw of pack winning and that completely set you off and that's why everything's been like this but and then doing it around like a jokey bench press thing like instead of just doing like his sit down promos that they've done very well with the row twos and then the countdown specials they did this instead and it's just like okay Kenny you know how to do an actual promo why are you doing making this into a joke when you're building up a big rematch. So that pissed me off.
2: I liked it. Um, Cause that's Kenny. And I like people being authentic and people being the truest versions of themselves that they can in a wrestling context. So he got over being weird and an anime villain and jokey and, you know, a, a gamer guy on Twitter. So I'm not going to tell him to change now. I totally get like, if you're going to do it seriously, then don't do the joke. But, you know the the joke of it didn't take away from the serious part of it in my opinion. So I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. All right, here's what I'm deleting. It's the idea
1: that the AEW women's division is really bad. Deleting. You're wrong. Anyone who thinks that is wrong.
2: Here's why. So again, wrong. this is this is you're not deleting something on the show. You're deleting a a, a take from the outside.
1: Yes. Yes, right. I am.
2: So, okay. I just want to, I want to properly appreciate what delete is supposed to refer to. So I'm going to, I'm going to reassess where I'm, uh, where I'm putting that.
1: I'm delete. This is what I'm deleting. Okay. This, the argument I've heard is, well, look at the matches, the women's matches that are on dark. You can't put those on dynamite. If you think that you have no clue what dark is supposed to be about. You don't understand the purpose of the show. They're putting women out there and giving them 15 to 20 minute matches so they can work in front of a major crowd without having to be on national TV. That's not the point. You can put Riho and Jamie Hayter and Shanna and Hikaru Shida and even Big Swole and even uh, you know some of these people they brought in, Chris Statlander, Shazza McKenzie. You can put all those people on national TV in singles matches or tag matches and have excellent matches. You can do it with Nyla Rose. You can do it when they bring back Yuka Sakazaki. You can do it with Emi Sakura, who they've had. Um, you know, even Ali has had reasonable TV matches in the past. So the idea that this is just some abomination, this division, is dumb. It's wild. It's like, I, don't, I here's what I'll say. I haven't heard it from anybody who actually watches women's wrestling. Haven't heard that take from any of those people. So anybody who knows what's going on and understands the deal here uh, appreciates it. This is actually a really good women's division. And in fact, I think they should be giving them more time on TV than one, pretty much one singles match per week, but uh, they're not doing that so far, but hopefully that's going to increase in the future.
2: So I'll back you up on that. The talent that they have, like the talent that they had in the casino battle Royale, like you're not going to find a better set of talent in the West. Like, you know, Nicole Savoy, Mercedes Martinez, that's like the cream of the crap. Like there isn't better talent to go get at this point. So the talent is there. Maybe they're not making the best use of it by always featuring Britt Baker matches on the television that, you know, there's an argument there, but I'll call out in particular, Dave Meltzer, who keeps saying, well, if you're not going to have stuff that's basically as good as the men, then you shouldn't have it on. Like, you know, he's, he's very much a, you know, the the women can be just as good as men, but if they're not just as good as men, you shouldn't put them on just for the sake of having women on the show. He's got a big stick up his ass about people with causes right now. People saying, that women's wrestling is a cause and you have to have women's wrestling on the show because it, you know, it it advances women's wrestling. First of all, yes, you do because the WWE has killed women's wrestling in the West for the last 50 years or whatever the fuck. uh, And that's not fair to women. And second of all, it's not, it's a different standard. People hold it to a different standard and they're not looking at it and going, Oh, well, you know, Britt Baker versus Parashita wasn't Will Osprey versus Ricochet. So, you know, there's no time for it on my television. It's a different thing entirely. It's, you know, they they bring a different appeal to wrestling and it uh, attracts a different audience to, to wrestling than something like, you know, Will Osprey versus Ricochet. So first of all, yes, you do have to put women on the show just for the sake of having women on the show. That's a moral obligation. Um, and second of all, it like the worst, you know, the worst outcome of that is you're going to have a couple botched spots from Britt Baker or, you know, uh, an alley elbow isn't going to look super stiff who gives a fuck (laughs) like there's so much more to appreciate about a wrestler and their character and uh the audience that they attract and all this shit that is just stupid to be mad about so i'll back up on that
1: yeah and the thing that really annoys me is that it's mostly in comparison to the nxt women's roster as if it's you know just the uh all japan women's which it's not i mean so i I pulled it up here Aliyah, bianca belair Candace LeRae, Dakota Kai, Diana Perazzo, Eo Shirai, Jessamine Duke, Marina Shafir, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that one right, Mia Yim, Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, Tainera Conti, Tegan Knox, Vanessa Bourne, Zia Lee. Other than like Eo, sometimes Shayna, uh, who are the super workers?
0: Candace. This, in Candace, this division. Candace.
1: Not a super worker. Yeah, yeah Candice is worker. great, but she's not a super worker. That's why. Uh, no, she is a super worker. I, I
0: mean, she's probably <laughs> one. Of the, she's probably one of the top five biggest baby faces in wrestling over the last decade. So you don't have to be a super worker to be that over. So
1: no, I'm saying I love the act, but I'm saying that this argument is coming from people saying the matches are bad, and I'm saying Candice is not like a su- a high work rate type. Person. I've had,
2: I've seen Candice have. Great work, great matches with Sammy Callahan. So I push back on that.
1: That number one, that sounds fake. Can yeah. never <laughs> have happened. It.
2: Real, it's very real. Yeah. No, that's it, fake. It, find it for you. It, I mean, it, granted, Sammy Callahan is having also having good matches with Tessa Blanchard right now. So maybe that's just his niche. But
1: my point is just that the idea that this roster blows away the AEW roster is insane. It's one of the things. Nonsense.
0: Also, when you look at a lot of the women you've mentioned there, AB. Pretty much the only one there, like we you, you talked about, Shannon Baszler. She she's been a prodigy in wrestling, but Io Shirai, she's fifteen years pro. Uh, Candice LeRae, maybe close to twenty at this point. I mean, she started getting going in the early two thousands, and then when you look at the AEW's women's division, Britt Baker has had about a hundred matches across four years. When you and then you have someone like. B priestly when Bree's there bees only really started wrestling on a larger stage over the last two years Riho is probably the big normal vet out of out of that and that's not even getting to people like chris statlander who showed up and i think she's like two years in so a big thing there is that there's a wide disparity of like the top wrestlers in NXT and the women's division are often the ones that have had all this ring time. So if you're not great after 13 years, and I think I might be cursing myself with a reference that you're making about someone earlier about a wrestler who has been wrestling for 13 years and is still really bad and suffered a concussion recently and now might be looking for a new place, but that one that got a little long tooth. But my point is that you have these wrestlers and, and also WWE has just been signing people up for five years now. So, I mean, when you get more people, odds are you're going to have better or super workers, at least their concept of super workers, just because you're hiring so many people. When you look at the AEW women's roster, I mean, there's eight or nine women actually signed full time. And there's people who are coming in and doing guest appearances or part-time work. So, I think that's also just the law of averages and the laws of big sample sizes.
1: I'm just saying as someone who watches women's wrestling, generally, I enjoy watching the women's wrestling on AEW. So it's not like, I'm like, Oh, this sucks. I want to go watch whatever. Start. and I girls,
2: you say that, but most of the women's wrestling, AEW's women's wrestling has been Brit maker matches, which you do Barry. Yeah, they yeah, she's bad. So, uh, I think we I think it, we can agree that they have not made the best use of their talented roster. I agree, but there's plenty of good stuff here. I mean, a lot of stuff that I've enjoyed. All right, let's
1: run down the results from this week, what we haven't gotten to yet. Nick Jackson defeated Phoenix in the opener. Uh, Phoenix won with some sort of move that Mike <laughs> says is called the Animo or Black Fire driver.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've heard it called a lot of different things. It's kind of is uh, it is a muscle buster, basically. It was like a spinning muscle buster, but I've heard it being called a lot of things. And we're just going to go spinning whatever. So, yeah, but that, as yeah. I said
1: earlier, that match ruled. I previously put over the announcers for not like hammering home the names of finishers, but now I'm like, can you tell me the name of the fucking move, please? I just never move, know what it's move called.
2: Move names are cool. Move names are cool. They should emphasize move names.
1: I, I would appreciate a little more at least. Uh, Hikaru Shida defeated Britt Baker with a running knee strike. Even I know that one.
2: I uh, They really had Hikaru beat the shit out of Britt at the, at the end here. Like, Britt was kind of, uh, I don't know, gassed or, you know, she was selling that she was beat the shit because she got a bloody nose earlier in the match. But just the finishing sequence was really like, oh, Hikaru's just like clubbing her with knees at this point. That was I appreciated that.
1: Then we get a pre taped video of. Uh, some guy, he's like uh, getting his bla- glasses broken by bullies in the subway. I'm like, okay, where where exactly is this going? And he sits down in a train car and up on the side, he sees a video and it's a recruiting video. It's like a, a cult type recruiting video. And we learn that it is for the Dark Order. Come join the Dark Order. So they're moving away from like the creepy creeper type gimmick that's supposed to be like, get you mad at them, you know? And now they've, they've found a, a little different way to go with this without abandoning what they were doing before.
2: I think that's exactly what I said they should do is they should just adjust and tweak the gimmick a little bit, change the ring gear, make it a little bit less cartoony, and they have the in-ring chops to get people behind them still. And that's exactly what they did and everybody on Twitter loved it. So once again, I was right. And uh, by agreeing with me, AW is right.
0: <laughs> yeah, this disowned. Uh... A couple of the people in this video are local Georgia area wrestlers. So that's, I'm guessing it's something that was done by the folks over at DDTP Yoga or the the studios they've been using down there. But yeah, no, this ruled. uh, I'm going to be interested to see how they try to meld this with what Dark Order is right now. Like, how are they going to get this across? Because this does feel like such a departure for how they were portraying them up to this point and how they've been kind of getting away from the creepy super villains thing so it'll be interesting to see how these two very distinct ideas intersect and is it going to be more of like we to see like an Echinar church of scientology thing which would be really kind of funny and interesting or are they still going to have like this insidious like evil doer thing about them but yeah no this was this was a really well done video that i think took everyone by
1: surprise at the same time well i think they did a good job starting to get us here with the Evil Uno promo the week before and the whole thing he had with Marco after that match. So I think they can thread this needle pretty easily without it seeming like too big of a change. Next up was the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royale. The idea here being 12 guys enter the final two advance to a singles match to win a diamond ring. Uh, We were told on commentary we're going to learn more about that in the future, I think. So we'll know what the diamond ring is going to Stand for, I suppose. But ultimately, Adam Page and MJF are your winners, defeating Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Kip Sabian, Pentagon Jr., Sonny Kiss, Joey Janela, and Billy Gunn. The finish here was Jungle Boy was on the apron after having eliminated Kip Sabian, and MJF had, I guess, disappeared for part of the uh, Battle Royale, and he jumped up and knocked
2: MJF off the apron. I'm going to say it. they gave too much offense and they highlighted the ass man, Billy Ass too much in this match. He was bigger than all the other guys. He threw all the other guys around. The other guys bounced off of him. He basically looked like a monster in this match. And I don't know why you do that to like some 50 year old X WWE guy. I don't think that's a good use of your roster. I don't think that's what Sonny Kiss should be doing is, you know, uh, being a job jobber for Billy Gunn, And a lot of people were jobbers to Billy Gunn in this match.
0: On the other hand, Billy Gunn was fucking over. So, <laughs> like, it, it, it is something that if you are going to have him in this kind of match, you have to be careful about him. Like, they've used him in the past in a better fashion. But, yeah, no, that this was effective. And as we said earlier, Hangman Page is good at Battle Royals. That is his gimmick other than liking to cuss on TV. So, this was... This was it accomplished what I was trying to do. I mean, I it don't was- wait... I don't rate bow royals but it has happened and i didn't feel like my time was wasted
2: it was fun the crowd enjoyed it you know and the ethos of this promotion really is give you know crowds things they will like and enjoy which is good to do but we're not going anywhere with mr s the ass man billy Ass. so i just don't get <laughs> i don't care for that aspect of it i do you know this is a good spot for orange to like get some highlight spots in because they don't know what to do with them otherwise so that worked. And you know, they set up some stuff in here. Like I said, they set up uh, or they advanced the Pentagon and Christopher Daniels angle by having Christopher Daniels pose as Phoenix and and eliminate Pentagon um, right at the beginning. But yeah, I don't know, too much too much Billy ass.
1: I think the whole Billy Gunn thing is uh, saved by the by the ass man spot in which Sonny Kiss twerked in front of Billy Gunn. And Billy Gunn was was mesmerized because, of course, Sunny Kiss is thicker than a Snickers. I think everybody knows that, and uh, it worked out perfectly. So, I don't know. I hear what you're saying, Nate, but I don't think anybody came out worse for the wear for their interactions with Billy Gunn.
2: No. Well, I don't know. You're kind of uh, this. Is, it's it was too reminiscent of the All In Casino Battle Royale for me. It's like it you It was got, good though. No, it's fucking sucked ass. The all-in Battle I'm Royale? I'm sorry, the Double or Nothing Casino Battle Royale.
1: Oh, yeah, that sucked. The all-in yeah. was you great. You
2: had Jimmy Havoc in here with the staple gun. You had Billy Ass. You had, you know, M- MJF and Hangman Page and in there. We're in there with, like, all, you know. Basically, you made too many guys comedy acts, and you put too many of your real serious top acts in with the comedy acts. Like, MJF, who just made a huge heel and just had the focus of the entire last pay-per-view, was about him turning heel. Was in here, you know, jobbing to Billy Ass.
1: Nate mentioned that we got some story progression here. We also had Sean Spears coming out and kind of taking out Joey Janela, so that's going to continue. And I guess that's it, other than the the Pentagon and and Christopher Daniels thing. So
2: in the finish, we had a uh, Wardlow. Oh, that's right. Came out, yeah. That's right. Adam Page
1: attacked MJF at the end here, and then Wardlow came out. Uh, but there was there was no interaction between Wardlow and and Adam Page. Wardlow and MJF. Left, So I think we can expect maybe Wardlow involvement in this MJF Adam Page match that's going to be coming up next week. It, it will really officially be Wardlow Day. It's always Wardlow Day, though. <laughs> this will be a special Wardlow Day.
0: Yes, yeah, it'll be a super special Wardlow Day.
1: Yeah. All right, then we get Chris Jericho out. And he's with Jake Hager, and he's out to make a special announcement, as they teased on social media. He says, you know, the, everybody in the crowd saw him throwing a tantrum after he lost to Scorpio Sky. And he had to pay for, you know, everything that he destroyed. And he just wants the fans to know that he knows that it wasn't becoming of Le Champion to act that way. And then the the bit here is he wants to say he's sorry, but he can't say the word sorry. So each time he holds the bike up to Jake Hager's mouth to say sorry, which was hilarious. And even Jake Hager thought so because he laughed basically throughout this uh, this interview. So that was good. And Jericho says he's going to get his thank you in Chicago next week. And he announces that there's going to be a Thanksgiving celebration. So SCU interrupts. We get Scorpio Sky. He's uh, putting over Chris Jericho for apologizing. uh, But he forgot, he's saying that Chris Jericho forgot to mention that the reason he threw a tantrum was that not only did SCU defend their tag titles, but Scorpio Sky gave Chris Jericho his first AEW loss. So this is a good way of using the win loss records, right? This is a good, of course. As I said last week, I think it was dumb that Scorpio Sky pinned Chris Jericho, but this is a good way of using what they're what they're building up with the win loss records.
2: So I want to distinguish two ideas there, and I think somebody maybe it was Voices of Wrestling did this already. This isn't a good use of the win loss records because the win loss records is that big five dash four or whatever the five dash three. What this was a good use of was showing that wins and losses matter, and that because he got this win on Chris Jericho he now gets to make a, t- 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 a challenge for the title belt but it wasn't even that they made what they made it was he basically had to goad or trick chris jericho into giving him that so they did a good job of like setting the groundwork of hey here's his claim to the title matches he got this win but because he's not in the ranking position with the win loss record he had to goad or trick chris jericho into giving him the, the title challenge so i thought that was well done H- having the big win loss records is annoying because they rarely illustrate what they want us to get out of them. Like these rankings that they're putting on out, out every Friday are like, Hey, the number two team is four and four. Like you're just working against yourself by giving us these win loss records that don't, um, uh, uh, mesh or don't correlate with the, the ranking position that you're giving them. So just, uh, it's, it's, it's too much. Um, but anyway, I like this segment a lot because it's what you want out of a baby face. It's the baby face being, Smarter and more clever and more charismatic than the heel. And the heel, you know, uh, I mean, very charismatic and Chris Jericho, but he's too up his own ass and, uh, you know, too blinded by his ego to see when the babyface is putting one over on him. That's just old school babyface shit. You don't see babyfaces doing that in the WWE. Maybe you see uh, Hiroki Goto did it in, you know, New Japan like last year. And it's very simple stuff. You know, it's like the most basic reverse psychology segment ever. But you do it because it works, and you see that the baby face is getting one over on the heel, and everybody's amused by it. When this segment started, I was like, Oh, you know, SCU is just they're coming out here and they're not on the star level, of Chris Jericho. Like you can feel it. But I think Scorpio Sky is distinct from that just because he hasn't been everywhere for 15 years. You know, Daniels and Kazarian are great, but they're sort of established quantities. I think it's great that they're putting Scorpio Sky in this spot to be elevated and make him a singles guy. And uh, once again, I called it So great work by AW agreeing with me.
0: Yeah, this was a blast. I thought that it's something about Jericho being willing to make himself look like an idiot to get someone else over. And he's shown that consistently pr- pretty much his entire time is the way to get to Chris Jericho is to deal with his ego. And I thought that everyone played their part very well here. I thought Hager was hilarious. Like his first words that he said on TV were just sorry. Cause Chris Jericho made him say it. And then, I thought that Scorpio did a great job holding up his end of the deal, the promo. Like we've seen so many people get eaten up in promos with legends before. And we've seen Chris Jericho like being willing to be, to go back and forth and play off of each other. And I think that's something that further cements Chris Jericho's case as one of the best wrestlers in the world this year as a total package, not just in ring, but the entire presentation. I think that this was an unmitigated success. I mean, they've made these mid mid loop uh, title matches two for two they've built both of them up incredibly well so uh, you know i'm stoked for it like neither of these guys are my favorite wrestlers but i'm interested to see how they go because they've managed to as they said make scorpio into that superstar for this match what which is the exact same thing that they've done with darby allen so it's it's tremendous stuff
2: yeah um i think uh, you know if irish as irish patrick suggested we take jim cornette out of the hall of fame we should put Chris Jericho in the Hall of Fame again so he can just be in there twice because that's how good he is. And yeah, I just like the specific of him saying, Oh, I got this big win, and my high school crush called me up. Like, that's just a sort of specific idea that you don't get in a WWE promo. A WWE promo is all like, I came to, uh, you know, uh, the fucking jack of the matter is I'm going to make an impact and I'm here to make myself known. And, you know, I'm just, it's just platitudes and maxims. And the same fucking idea over and over again. And you don't get a little detail like Scorpio Sky is a young, good looking man without any, uh, you know, family uh, or marital obligations. And his old girl, his old crush called him up and he was fucking pumped about it. Like, you just don't get that sort of character in the other company.
1: So after Scorpio kind of goads Jericho into challenging him to wrestle... Next week in Chicago, and putting the title on the line, Scorpio says he's going to turn Le Champion into Le Bitch.
2: Huge. We love swearing.
1: <laughs> we love gendered insults. So oh, yeah.
2: I did. Okay. You're... Yeah, well. <laughs> you're right. It's a gendered insult. Yeah. I gave up on not saying bitch anymore because it's too powerful a word.
1: It It's powerful. It is gendered.
2: And also, if you don't say bitch, then you're kind of common. The rapper. That was his thing oh yeah
1: with ai we won't have to use gendered insults anymore
2: with ai we won't have to use gendered insults anymore
1: really outing yourself as not an nba watcher uh because
2: alan iverson no
1: last season the whole like every other commercial was common it was like for microsoft or something <laughs> and the first <laughs> line a is commercial. with okay. ai and it's just like fucking miserable
2: i've seen this commercial okay
1: Yeah, so Jericho attacks. uh, Proud and Powerful come out to help. Uh, We get Michael Nakasawa and Brandon Cutler trying to save the day, which was very funny. And uh, Jericho ultimately hits Scorpio with the Judas effect. And then Great-looking Judas
2: effect. What's that? Great-looking Judas effect.
1: Yeah, it was very good. Uh, Marco stunt comes out. Jericho just demolishes him. Jungle Boy comes out to a huge pop. I was a little bummed that Jericho just kind of got rid of him. Uh, But it was built for Luchasaurus to come out, clears the ring other than Jake Hager. They face off and the crowd went nuts for this.
2: So they did. They set all this up a little bit during the ad break. And if you didn't have the Fight TV feed, then you probably didn't see this. And I did have the Fight TV feed and I couldn't hear this even. So like they only halfway did it. But before Jericho came out, he and Hager were backstage. They walked by the librarians and the librarians were reading a bunch of dinosaur books. And Jericho made fun of the dinosaur books. And then he went on down the hall and Brandon Cutler was looking at some footage he shot from BTE with Marco stunt there. And Jericho made fun of Marco stunt and called him a child. And was like, Hey, why is your child yet? No shirt on, put a shirt on this child, et cetera. It was pretty funny, but you couldn't really hear it. So they did set up like, this is why Marco stunt came out to make the save for SEU, one presumes, even though those teams were just wrestling pretty recently. And then I think the, Pop for Jungle Boy. I feel like he came out with Luchasaurus and we just didn't see it because Luchasaurus probably walked to the ring and got there slowly because we didn't hear a separate Luchasaurus pop, right? I don't know. I thought Luchasaurus got another pop. I think, I feel like Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy came out together, got the big pop. Jungle Boy ran to the ring, Luchasaurus walked to the ring, and that's why we only got the one pop for it. That's my take.
1: Hmm. Okay. That's fine. I mean, Luchasaurus is the now guy, Jungle Boy is a long term play, so it's no big deal. Amen. All right, then Luchasaurus squashes Peter Avalon, uh, finishes him off with the Extinction. Big shouts to Mike Spears for figuring out the name of that move. Nothing really here, just, you know, Luchasaurus is back and he got a win to get going. Proud and Powerful defeated private party. We talked about that. Isaiah Cassidy pinned Santana after gin and juice. Uh, this did end with a distraction finish. Nick came out with the sock full of baseballs. And uh, so that, I hate it bad, you know, it's a the wws booking we talked about last week uh sammy guevara came out and attacked nick jackson uh, but dustin rhodes makes the save and knocks out sammy with the cast with his uh, broken forearm love a loaded cast
2: love a uh, dustin rhodes and sammy guevara feud in 2019 who would have imagined that's just that's i love amazing. it
1: i also love that dustin got a cast put on his non-broken arm <laughs> to do this spot did you notice movie. it like falling apart in the ring when he started
0: stalking him? <laughs> no. Yeah, no, it it, it was <laughs> obviously not a, a full cast. This isn't like Bob Orton Jr. like getting like fresh cast casts made. But yeah, no, it's wild.
2: Gonna have to check out the Sammy vlog this week because when Sammy made his initial attack, he was vlogging the whole time. Just a great gimmick to set him apart is like the fucking, you know, snide little. I don't even know, Gen Z YouTuber guy or whatever. That's just a very current gimmick. And they pay it off because he puts it on his vlog and shit. It's going to be fun to watch.
1: Then we got the Kenny pre-tape that Mike was talking about earlier. He's bench pressing. Uh, we, we can't see the bar, right? or we can just see the bar. We can't see the outside. And he's needing help on the last rep. And then when the camera comes down, we see that it's 55 pounds on the bar. Pretty funny. Michael Nakazawa spotting for him. Kenny says... He's happy to be getting a chance to talk to the fans, even though he's not known as a promo guy. I'm not. That had to be a rib at somebody, but I I didn't really. uh, I thought it was kind of funny.
2: I don't think he is known as a promo guy. Nobody likes his promos.
1: Yeah, but I think (laughs) Kenny thinks he's good at promos. Maybe. I don't know. Just a thought.
2: I mean, people Uh, do. People like him, but you know, they don't like his promos because he he goes all anime filling his stuff. You know, it worked for his context. Again, it all works for him. This is obviously what he wants to be doing: is doing these little jokes. So I'd say let him do what he wants because he has not steered himself wrong to this point. He's only made himself the biggest star to be grown outside the WWE in a generation. So I'm not going to tell him he's wrong.
1: Kenny's thing is he can do whatever he wants if he has the high-level matches that people want. So it's harder in this promotion because they don't have all those levels of workers that he would have in New Japan, for example. But if he has mediocre matches, and does this stuff? Uh, I think there's a possibility that he's not going to rise to the level of star that we kind of thought coming in.
2: Good take, I like it. That's right, I you your take. What Holy do you think shit! About that? Yeah, well, you stepped it up. So
1: gonna have a gonna have a big head for three, four weeks on this it's one. It's like a
2: fuck. It's like a fucking oatgan fave right there.
1: <laughs> that is like an <laughs> oatgan. Fave. I got an oatgan <laughs> reply yesterday, and I was like, it blew me away for a minute. Time. Okay, so Kenny says it only took one instance for Pac to beat him and send him into a tailspin, but now he's going to hit the restart button. And uh, he goes back and tells Nakazawa to double the weight, and but then he says, no, just one side. Very, I don't know, very funny. I thought it was funny anyway.
2: I thought it was funny. I don't mind that, you know, he made a joke of it. Because it was clear that he set it up like a joke. You know, he was going to say a serious thing, and then he was going to give a little pun sign at the end. I thought it was funny.
1: It was good. It's A lot of the stuff he's tried to do in AEW being funny has not hit, but this was funny. I laughed at it.
2: Just made it a little bit simpler.
1: Yes. And the main event, Jon Moxley defeating Darby Allin with a super paradigm shift, which we talked about earlier, and uh, started off with a video of Darby with the Mox body bag, even with the orange paint on the body bag, which I liked. And there's not much more to say about this. It was an excellent match.
2: What do you think that concert was that they shot the... Body bag, crowd surfing hat. Man, seems like know. New York, maybe like a Webster Hall or something. Where, where do so, where's live? Where does he live? Where do you live? I don't know. Like East Coast. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he's based out of. How do we? Well, for a while he was based out of his car, so that yeah, uh, hard I, to lock down. Shout out to Evolve, which we'll discuss on the Patreon at some point here.
1: <laughs> what I loved in the Observer this week, uh, Meltzer was like, uh, Derby Allen commented that. He probably wouldn't be given much to do if he were in WWE now. <laughs> when Darby's quote was,
2: "He'd be Fuck jerking off in a
1: boiler room." <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, hey, Darby, that got Mick Foley over. That's fucking good <laughs> shit, Darby. Oh, what a line! Anything... Actually that actually did get Mick Foley over. Was yeah, the Mankind character jerking yeah. off in a boiler room. All right, well, that's Mike. Any, many, any insight on where Darby Allen is located? Out of where he bought his new house
0: i no. I, i'm guessing like because uh i know that priscilla kelly was based in georgia for a while so east coast. yeah true. definitely east I coast i mean i wouldn't be surprised if it's in georgia if so i need to get back out my skateboard and go hunt down darby and hang out you know I figured like
2: Dar- yeah that makes sense because uh, you know the ddp yoga right the, you know that's all based out of georgia so it makes sense for that to be a little home base
0: yeah, no, I also like just like the idea of two of them having a house like in Cobb County, Georgia, where it's just like a crazy like neocon area. And just how <laughs> funny that would be like that that moving in next door to you is a uh, crust punk and Priscilla Kelly like doing goth things. It's just like that. That seems like that would be a, a wild like new neighbors to have. Yeah, when are we gonna I love get,
2: them.
1: When are we going to get Priscilla Kelly? in no, this no. no.
2: It has to happen. Yeah, do what's, what's the holdup here?
1: Tony, I know you're listening. Bring in TPK. Come on. All right. AEW Dark uh, for this week. This is what they recorded. Kenny Omega defended the uh, AAA Mega Championship against Jack Evans. Trent taking on Pentagon Jr. What a match. Uh, Big Swole versus Shanna. And an uh, interesting note I saw this week, according to an interview with Luis Salvador of Wrestling.pt, Shanna was actually planning to retire before Kenny called her and offered her a job with AEW. So, oh,
2: did you see that because I retweeted it?
1: Yes, that's exactly why I saw it. <laughs> when I'm putting these notes together, I just go through our feed and yeah, <laughs> find uh... the links. Yeah, that's what I do. Awesome Kong uh, is taking on Leva Bait. So that's your Dark for this week, and Mike and I will be breaking down that episode of Dark next week on AEW Light. Usually comes out, I don't know, 10, 30, or 11 on Wednesday morning. So we'll yeah, see you
0: there. If you're traveling on Wednesday for American oh, of Thanksgiving,
1: you'll have it in great. your feed. Great and, job, Mike.
0: And hey, if if you're already subscribing, you'll get another show there as well. This is what we call the Hard Sell Guys.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah see, if you are tra- traveling on Wednesday, it's a great time to subscribe. You'll get our whole back catalog for this month, which is enough shows to get you most places in the continental U.S. So drive away while you listen to the Everything Elite Boys. All right. Yeah. Next- Next week in Chicago on Thanksgiving Eve, we're going to get Chris Jericho versus Scorpio Sky for the AEW World title, Kenny Omega versus Pac, MJF versus Page, Adam Page, and Cody makes his return. Mike and I will also be previewing that and anything else that's announced uh, next Wednesday on Light. But anything that stands out, Nate,
2: for you uh, for the 1127 show, I know you're going to be there. Needs a John Moxie match. They owe Chicago a John Moxie match.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that seems to be like the big name to kind of push there, especially considering what all is going on in Chicago and wrestling over the week. You kind of need to have a John Moxley match in there.
2: Have have, uh, you know, going with one of my Normie friends, uh, you know, another, uh, going with two Normie friends, one of whom I went to the last show with all out. And he was somebody I literally brought into AEW because he was a John Moxley fan from the brief period that The Shield was hot. And then he was a hot singles act and the WWE ruined him. And he was like, "Yeah, I get to see fucking Moxley versus Omega that kicks ass." So, you know, I don't want to, don't want to be a bad host. You know, when you have somebody over and you want to keep them entertained at your home because you're the host, that's how I feel when I bring normies into wrestling. You're like, I want this to be good. I don't want this to be WWE, and you sit down, and you're embarrassed by having other people watch it with you. So I want a John Moxley match. So again, Tony,
1: hoping for a nice women's match on this show, but I'm hoping it's not Riho versus Sheeta. Let's spread that out. I mean, they got a lot of time until, you know, probably February for the next pay-per-view. So let's spread out some uh, Riho title shots here. And I'd like to see Sheeta in a few weeks, but we can do something else cool here. Uh Some other notes before we get out of here. Full gear, we got the, the business returns from the Wrestling Observer newsletter. This might have already been out, but 8,200 tickets sold. That's strong. I mean, that's a great result. It wasn't a very hot crowd i mean i guess they said it wasn't mic'd very well but it didn't sound good on tv uh, but that's a good number of tickets sold
2: i do want to you know we do a lot of ratings talk like attendance talk aw has best of the best ring of honor uh, attendance you know multiple times now mm-hmm. they've quadrupled the best tna attendance multiple times now probably just like worth keeping in mind like oh they actually draw and sell a lot of tickets to these shows so even if they're not getting that 1.5 million they got in the first week of television they're making money on everybody that attends these shows yeah so they're doing fine
0: yeah that's something that's really worth saying i remember that i think it was at the tk interview with chris van Vliet. i want to say it was where he said about that they're hoping for 45 to 4500 to 6000 tickets and the only show to my knowledge that didn't exceed that was charlotte so i mean they're making money on everything so i mean This is and this is why we always harp on ratings because that these are their revenue drivers. If you want to have a competition with WWE, you have to have a healthy competition. And this is evidence of them being the healthy competition that, as Nate said, TNA and Ring of Honor never were. So this is important. So I know a lot of people kind of hand wave this kind of talk, but it's important stuff to see that they've kept up this momentum. Even though it started to slip back a little bit, even a 200 for Baltimore is a good number for them.
2: Right. Very easy to forget that like two years ago, it was unheard of the idea of somebody doing a 10,000 seat show. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, no, they did 8,200. Just that's their quarterly thing now.
1: It's also worth remembering that this is a brand new company. Like they have plenty of time to build up their business. So we got the pay-per-view buys at or slightly below 100,000, basically the same as All Out. The digital buys were basically the same as the first two shows that they've done uh, that they did on VR Live. And there was some disappointment about that. I mean, you'd always like to see them improving, I suppose. But Dave pointed out in The Observer last week that it took WCW about five months of consistent television before they started seeing an increase in their pay-per-view buys. So, you know, long game here. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I've heard that. (laughs) Yeah, and it's also
0: worth mentioning that this was a tough night for Year as the uh, rematch between, can't believe I'm saying this, Logan Paul and KSI which sold a million buys its first time was happening, so I don't think this is negative, like it's not as encouraging as you want, but as Dave said, like it takes time to build momentum, like to make the first initial purchase from your TV if from like your new TV audience, like what this tells me is that they're maintaining their pretty strong about 100,000 fans, and I'm willing to guess that it's probably closer to like 120,000 when you include the people that go to each of these big shows that like they they haven't scared off like their core market. So that's pretty solid stuff.
2: I do want to address uh, any potential sub tweeters who might think that we're being too positive on AEW on this episode. I I just want to remind you, Mike did make a very pointed tweet about the late start to AEW dark this week. So, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses over here. Oh, I wasn't going to talk
0: about that. Can I, can I go off for a minute? Can I? I think you already head? did. <laughs> oh, no, this is, it is ridiculous. I know people did push back to me. I have set up stuff to set up here. Like, I know that, like, streaming, it's it can be somewhat difficult. But this isn't something that if you're someone who's hired to do this for a living, like, you can't have this down. Like, this is not rocket science to have your video uploaded, which was apparently might have been the issue for the the one two weeks ago. Or just have it set up to start playing at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's Mickey Mouse bullshit. It's minor league stuff, and maybe you should reassess all these people that you you've brought in from Ring of Honor that you were friends with, because it seems like that at least in some parts of it, that social media slash digital has been really dropping the ball in a lot of ways. That is that that you shouldn't be having at a promotion that's trying to love. Run at this level, it's it's unskusable. Like all these like streaming things miss me with that. You, you can't do this.
2: That's for all the sub tweeters out there. Says we're on, we're co opted, we're on the take. Save it, sub tweeters. I will say I don't care that I was ten minutes late or whatever. I do care about all the typos because I was a copy editor. Fucking way too many typos on graphics and match announcements and shit. Tighten that shit up. All right. Yeah, I mean, whatever. We've been
1: negative on this show, so. Yeah, I was just joshing. I was just
2: trying to take a shot at a friend of the show here to close this out. I appreciate it. I appreciate
1: it. Uh, Tony Khan, he's posting, folks. He's doing posts. Uh, You got to love it. So CM Punk, I guess we can now talk about again on this show because he has reappeared in in wrestling. So we're not going to make it a regular thing because he's uh, gone back to WWE because, well, he's someone who actually never believed any of the things he's ever said. So uh, now we see him back at WWE backstage. He tweets that no one is going to be safe from his lukewarm shitty takes on that show. <laughs> and he tags Tony Khan, of all people. And Tony Khan responds, no one's safe. Sounds like a plane full of wrestlers in Saudi Arabia. Just a great burn. You
2: got to love it. So I, on, on the topic of CM Punk, since the topic's been approached, I saw some people getting a lot of faves and retweets for saying that John Moxley did everything that CM Punk said he would do. And you're right, but I just want to say that I had that take first. When John when John Moxy first debuted, I said they don't need CM Punk anymore because they already got CM Punk, but better. So, again, I, I'm too right on this show this week. I don't know how that <laughs> happens. It's just one correct take after the other.
0: Yeah, you just want to be recognized for how you're on your best take week or best take month ever. I understand that.
2: It, I'm it, gonna say best take year. You know, okay. I had the Turner, I had the Turner thing. Before anybody else, he Had did. the John That's Moxley true. thing. So, the, the guy who told me John Moxley was coming in, by the way, was TJ Hawk. But, um, so I, I hadn't revealed that previously. Uh, so good wow. post by Tony. Um, the so Randy Orton came back at him, and then Tony hit him with the, with the line about, You got it. All right.
1: Yeah. Tony absolutely murked Randy Orton. Uh, he said, You know, you usually only tag me when you're trying to create leverage. And
2: just throws in at the end that also you said the N-word on a Twitch stream. <laughs> so that was... I just feel like there's so many things you could hit Randy for. I don't know <laughs> yes. if that's the one I would have picked.
0: It's the one you have the most it recent seems like the worst. It,
2: maybe it's the most recent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: And, and it's on Twitch and Twitch says everything. So like you have that receipt to drop on it. So it makes... It, Very funny. The, the thing that gets me is Randy Orton. And of course, like picking things like Shackhock. You could have picked some very obvious things that we've talked about on the show before that he's done, such as Trump inauguration money and now attacking Trump. Like There are things you could get You, well, on you, can't, for. you can't do
2: that one because Randy Orton agrees with that. He wants to donate right. to Trump. Yeah, so th- can't th- that's that
0: fair. One. That's fair. But yeah, gosh. I mean, here's the thing about social media and Twitter. I did tweet this earlier this week that it involves things. You could tell people who have grinded their time, honed their skills, and learned their craft, forging it on the days of message boards and people who think they can just post. TK has is has a poster's mentality, and as we've seen, neither. Sam, punk, go back to your shitty ass live journal from 2005, where you talk uh, about where, where, where you talk about Harley Race being drunk and offensive, and then what do my knuckles say? And uh Randy, go back to gaming and vaping. I mean, those are your two favorite things, and maybe. You know, like don't stream since you're a racist shithead. Don't stream your shit. So yeah,
2: you can't outpost
1: Tony. That's all. I mean, that's just
2: posters are going to post. He was forging the fires of the board. Yeah, I mean, who knows where else posting on fucking game facts? Probably. Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, I know. I know champagne. I know champagne. (laughs) I know who's posting where. (laughs) I just love that
1: this is like. This is like the guy running the company and he's just posting this shit. Right. It's just amazing. He's just ethering yeah, no, people.
2: A lot of people were like, oh, you know, the people that should really never post are like the billionaire executives. No, they should definitely post. It's very funny.
0: It's very funny. I mean, if they fuck up, you make fun of them back. And if you're able to get a couple good burns, you get those burns. You can tell that Tony was on Facts and Death Valley Driver.
1: <laughs> the thing about Tony is that you know that if you reply to him, like he's reading that shit because he just yeah. can't take not that reading is, his mention. Yeah.
2: No, that is, there's a strategic element to having people think you don't read what you say in ads or whatever else. And, you know, that can be effective. Yeah. And Tony does not subscribe to that belief. Because <laughs> Tony, Tony will DM you. Tony will, uh, will at you back. We'll throw an RT on you. So people know that if they add him, they're going to get his attention. That's dangerous. Very dangerous. But, you know, again, you know, if you're you're the, uh, you know, very successful son of a billionaire, probably not losing a lot of sleep about it.
0: He's got to have something to do on his transatlantic flights.
2: In between his fake
1: jobs. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I think that's enough. I think that's, we can cover the other (laughs) stuff I had on here for, uh, we can hit that another week. So no big deal. Uh, just make sure you subscribed. Maybe we'll drop some uh, hot takes. I mean, Nate already said I did a good take today, so maybe I'll do some more good takes on Twitter. You can find us <laughs> at everythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. That's Fuji with two eyes like Don Fuji. Make sure you subscribed. You're rating and reviewing. And go over to patreon.com/slash everything elite. Check out what we've been offering there so far. I think at the end of the month, we're gonna throw a little. Uh, bonus show, an extra bonus show on the $3 tier that you can try out if you want to. Uh, but go ahead and subscribe and uh, get Mike's upcoming Breaking Stronghearts episode, which I'm really excited about and I think everybody should be. So I think that's it. Oh Mike? What? Oh, I was going to say, before we go, just wanted to drop a quick plug
0: to our friend TJ Hawks uh, fundraiser that he's doing right now. I know I've tweeted a bunch about it. It's to a good cause. I'll probably drop a link in the show notes about it. It's for students in the Bronx, I believe, getting a library. So yeah, check it out.
1: Yeah, it's basically like a lot of his students uh, basically are just turned off to certain types of like trying to, uh, certain things to read. And so he's trying to build a library of stuff that makes them excited to read and helps them get their uh, reading levels up to where they need to be. So uh, I've donated to it. I think everybody should. And uh, there'll be, yeah, there'll be a link in the show notes or you can check probably any of our Twitter accounts.
2: It's uh, at fake T.J. Hawk, H-A-W-K-E. And yeah, he gave me that good scoop. So uh, you can pay him back with a donation to get some people excited about reading. It's mostly comics. Everybody likes comics.
1: Yeah, you know our listeners are comic fans. So just help out. All right, that's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.